Good morning. How's everybody today? Good, good. Is everybody finished with their Christmas shopping? Oh, we got one. So there's one. Yeah. And everybody else. uh, Well, I feel sorry for you. We went out last night. I went out with uh, a couple of the kids last night to do some of their shopping. And oh, it was was awful. It was just awful. So um, we love Amazon. We just love them to death. So uh, anyways, good luck on that. And before we get started this morning, I just wanted to uh, say a couple of things. One is I wanted to say thank you for your incredible generosity over these last few weeks. Uh, When we started talking about our Christmas project, we do a Christmas giving project every single year. And we don't do it because we know you're just, you have, you're loaded at the end of the year. That's not why we do it at Christmas time. But what we recognize is that generosity is a huge part of growing in our faith. We have such a generous God and he has instilled within us um, a generous spirit. And uh, while lots of times we want to think that we're generous, you guys have just poured out over these last few weeks in a tremendous, tremendous way, so tremendously you don't even know how tremendous it is. So, so far we have dispersed almost everything that has come in, all the gifts. Uh, Last Sunday after service, we took all the Widow's Harvest stuff to Widow's Harvest. Um, Let me just say, this, this is the largest giving project we've done. Um, at Journey, and it the largest amount we've ever ever been given at Christmas at Journey was when we did the wells with 1040 Connections. Do you remember remember that a few years ago? We tried to raise money for one well, and we ended up sponsoring I think three um, that year, uh, and that was a total giving of somewhere around six thousand dollars to make that happen. Now we've never had giving at that level since this year. We knew we wanted to invest in some local families and local opportunities. Widow's Harvest kind of came our way. We weren't really looking for it. Um, We had offered to to help at Christmas, but what they needed was not something we were even certain we could pull off, to be quite honest. And But we felt like we need to do this. This is a great need. And one of the commandments throughout Scripture is take care of widows and orphans. And, you know, how can we not, if there's a, a need here, how can we not do that? So we took all the, the stuff that you guys brought last week from Widow's Harvest. And a little bit later, I'm going to read you one of the emails that they sent back in, in response um, that they sent through Kim. But uh, we were able to do that. Just the, the directors were overwhelmed. They had an opportunity to give those boxes out this week, and they were just so thrilled and so thankful. In addition, we were able to support um, Room in the Inn um, and a graduate for Room in the Inn, you guys more than took care of that need. And we also have been able to help four other families. And by helping those four families, we asked them, if, if you could provide a list for us, that will help us provide specific items. Well, not only did you provide those specific items, you provided more than that. Uh, we anticipated that the total need for the Christmas project this year would be around um, $5,000 that we could cover it all. If we just put a money value on everything for about $5,000, we could meet all those needs. And uh, we had a couple of people that were kind of waiting in the wings saying, Hey, if we can't make the goal, we'll make this happen. And so far, not only have we made the goal, <laughs> we've gone way over the goal. Um, a few people in addition, yeah, a, f- a few people in addition gave some really large gifts. And um, so let me tell you what we're doing. 
So far, our total giving for the Christmas project this year is right around $11,000. Yeah, so let me tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to Hawaii. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Usually around Christmas, we have an international giving theme. This year, we really wanted to do something in the community. So a need has come to us, and if you're watching the news at all, then you know that the world is in a very difficult place right now with certain parts of the world being very volatile. Well, a need has arisen, arisen, that's not a word, arisen. Um, I, I literally, we, I can't, we can't even record this. I can't even t- I, we can't even tell people we're doing this. Um, but a need has arisen to provide a training school and a seminary in a part of the world that you're not allowed to have those. <laughs> and it is, I can't tell you where it's going to be. All I can tell you is, is it will be in Southeast Asia. You can think through what's in Southeast Asia. And I want you to know, you were going, we, they have currently between 100 and 200 indigenous peoples ready to not only be trained but to go out and share the gospel in that part of the world. Now, the fact that we're even able to do that, that it can even happen, is a minor miracle. Um, the fact that we're going to, we, it's going to take a little more than we've brought in at this point, um, but we've got enough um, commitments moving forward that uh, we're going to be able to completely cover this cost to provide this training that is going to be ongoing, not just for those 200 people, but is establishing a presence in a very volatile place where God is not exalted, where people are being led astray into all types of terrible places, and the gospel is going to go out there. Now, we did not have this as backup plan. Our backup plan was how are we going to cover what we're trying to do? So this has kind of all come together I just can't, I, I really, I can't tell you how huge this is. And so I just want to thank you for your generosity. I want to thank you for being willing to give. I want to thank you for what you've been able to do for these families, what you've been able to do for these ladies that are living life without their husbands and are struggling just to put food on the table. I, I just, I can't tell you how appreciative I am. This is, um, this is what Christmas is supposed to spark in us. And so you are going to make a difference in the world this Christmas. Um, and so let me just thank you for that. We'll, if you'd like to learn more, you can come talk to me. There's not a lot we can say. We don't want to go out putting any of this on Facebook um, or anything like that just because it's still a volatile place. And literally the people that are going to go through this program could lose their lives by going through this program. Um, so anyways, I wanted to let you know that. And what I want to do is I want us to celebrate. So what we're going to do to celebrate is, what, what do we do um, at church when we celebrate? We eat, right? Yeah, thank you. So Christmas Adam service is Wednesday night. Uh, it's our last service of the year. We would love for you to be here. Um, you might want to get here kind of early. You need to remember that 
we bring the kids in here with us. So we'll have some extra chairs in here and things. We bring the kids in here. We'll have the nursery available if you've got an emergency. You know what I mean? If you need to go back there, but we're, <coughs> but we're not providing child care. This is a family event, so we want you to come and take part in that. We're going to be doing carols. We're going to be doing communion. We're going to have um, uh, just a, a devotion of sharing. And... Um, and it's just going to be a great time together. So I hope that you'll be here. We'll have some candlelight as well. It'll be a candlelight service for a portion of the service. So I hope you'll come and you'll be here and you'll participate with us. Um, but it's, that's at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. At 6 o'clock, we're going to show up and eat. Um, we're not going to have a huge meal, but we, we're just going to provide some, some um, finger food, some snacks, some Christmas good stuff um, for you to come and just celebrate and, sp- and spend some time fellowshipping together. I, I really can't say thank you enough. Not only from, you know, just for me, but for our whole team, from our whole church. And I just, man, it's, it's awesome when God works through his people. I'm so overwhelmed. Um, so we'll share more as we can in the future as that becomes um, possible. Uh, and, uh, but again, thank you so much for that. All right. I feel like we can go home after that. Um, some of you are like, yeah, I need to go shopping. Uh, nobody's in the stores right now. So... <clears throat> Hey, listen, I, I know some of you um, are playing games while I'm preaching on your phone. If you've got to do a little shopping on Amazon, that's okay. Uh, you know, you might be, you know, God might smite you uh, right at the, while you're doing it. But okay, we've been talking about Christmas stories over the last few weeks. And for our Christmas story, oh, Kidmo, you're dismissed. I'm getting a, a bouncer kind of look from the back of the room, which usually means I've forgotten to dismiss Kidmo. So Kidmo, you guys are dismissed. I also canceled your order on Amazon. You canceled my order? Uh, you mean my Christmas present? Oh, well. I held them too long. All right. <laughs> so what we've been talking about in the Christmas stories is there, there's really one true Christmas story, and there's only so many ways you can tell it. However, there are so many aspects to the Christmas story that we wanted to cover some of the things that maybe we don't think about. At Christmas, we do often think about what we receive. We do, at times, think about what we give. But at Christmas, the Christmas story is not just about what God is giving. It is about what the people who God called to be a part of this had to give up to be a part. And so we first looked at Joseph and we saw that Joseph had to give up something very important to him. He had a great standing in the community as a very devout man of God. And yet he had to give up his reputation when people realized that his fiance was pregnant, which was a huge taboo at that time in that place of the world. And so for Joseph to follow the calling God had given him, he had to give up his reputation, which was highly important to an observant Jewish man. The next week we talked about Mary. Mary had an idea of a family like many of you have had ideas of family. And for Mary, she was going to have to watch her son take on the sins of the world to be tortured and killed to watch her son die. Now we know at the other end of the story that Jesus was coming back. But at the same time, we don't always recognize that for Mary to fulfill her calling, Mary had to give up the life she always dreamed for herself. Now, last week, Scott did a good job of talking about a character in the story who was not willing to give up anything. And it's one of the most tragic stories at Christmas is the story of Herod and the fact that Herod wanted it all and he wouldn't give anything up. And at the end of it all, he lost everything. 
Even so much to the point where he had a party, killed all the guests so there would be great mourning in the streets at the time of his death. He was certain no one would mourn for him. So he killed others that it would be assumed that those mourners were for him. He, he wouldn't give up anything. And at the end of the day, he lost everything. Well, today, you might guess who we're talking about in our last uh, week of our Christmas stories, and that is the story of Jesus. And as we go through this, if you've got, if you've got a phone or a tablet or something, you can follow through on version. Um, but everything in Jesus' life was about him giving it away for us so that we could truly live. This week I posted a meme on Facebook, and uh, it was a, a quote by Kevin DeYoung. You throw that up there. They're not going to type that in. Here we go. <laughs> Perhaps the most common reason people don't believe in God is simply this. They don't want anyone telling them what to do. Now, I have two thoughts on this quote. Number one, there's a whole lot of truth in this. There's a whole lot of truth in the idea that we reject God because we don't want anyone having any authority over us. We are a people who no longer invite authority. We don't invite people being able to hold us accountable, helping us grow. But, but here's the problem with this quote, taken by itself, is, is a relationship with God simply about doing what he tells us to do? So there's so much more to a life of faith than just accepting what somebody else says and doing that. Yet for us as followers of Jesus, we recognize there are times and places where we must simply submit to what God says is good, even if we think that that is not beneficial to ourselves. But there is some truth to this. And in so many ways, that doesn't tell nearly the complete story. Jesus didn't come simply to prove that we're supposed to do what he wants us to do. He didn't come just to prove to us that we're supposed to be subservient and submissive, even though we cannot know Christ unless we are submissive. He came to give us a gift. And while we may say it's the greatest gift that was ever given, do we realize it within our hearts of what he has done for us? Our faith is so much more than simply doing what we are told. I want to tell you a few things about this gift and then what I think the significant is for us at, at this time of year. The greatest gift that Jesus was coming was an easily overlooked gift. Easily overlooked. Let me ask you something. Has anyone ever given you a gift and you weren't expecting it? Like the last person you would have thought would have given you a gift. And maybe you didn't even want to open it because you were afraid what would be in it. Have you ever received a gift that you weren't expecting? A gift that really, you know, you never thought somebody would take the time and think through? You know, for us, when we really think through the big picture of the story of creation, the story of where we fit in this world, God did not have to give us a gift. He could have left us in the state we were in, and let's be honest, for the most part, humanity would have been okay with that. Humanity would have been okay with not worshiping God, but putting themselves on some kind of pedestal because that is what we often do. We would have been okay had he not given the gift. But God gave the gift anyways. 
The greatest gift was an easily overlooked gift. If, if I were in charge of the birth of Jesus, it would not have gone down the way it went down. There would have been a lot more attention to what was happening. He would not have been born in a stable. We would have found what is the most visible place in the world at this moment and the most visible time. And let's, <coughs> let's do it then. Let's let everybody know what's happening. Let's let everybody be a part. Let them see this thing and let this be huge. Let's not only welcome this gift, but let's celebrate it. We all of humanity needs the opportunity to celebrate this. And yet that is not the way that God gives his gifts. You know, in many ways, if we give our gifts for all kinds of people to watch, sometimes our motive is not as pure as when we give the gift and it can be easily overlooked. Now, whenever I wrap a gift for somebody, I want some flashy paper. I have been known to take small gifts and put them in large boxes. I, I write my name real big. Want them to know it's from me. But God doesn't give gifts that way. This is the, the story as we read it in Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That greatest gift came in a way that was not noticed. Not many people saw it. In fact, whenever the angels were there to proclaim his birth, there was a very small number of people, even though it would not have been fantastic. Every time we, one of our kids were born, we think angels should show up and announce it to the world. Wouldn't that be great? When we were born, angels showed up and announced it to the world. But yet... When they did for Jesus, it was to a very small select number of people. No room in the inn. He chose his gift to come to us, not to be recognized for the flash and bang, but to be recognized for the heart of the one who was giving it. To that greatest gift wasn't flashy. It wasn't showy. It was easily overlooked. What we also know is that this greatest gift was an undeserved gift by a very generous giver. Now, one of the hardest things to understand as a person, as a, as a human on this planet, is how undeserving we really are of the gift that he's given us. 
I think many times of the many different gifts people have given me, some are material gifts, some are gifts that have to do with encouragement, some are are gifts of friendship, some are gifts of spending time or giving their time in order to, you know, be a part of of our lives or take our children. I remember we would sometimes have people when our, our kids were real young, they would just take our kids so we can have some adult time, which is huge when you have little kids, right? For those of you who have little kids. I think of all the gifts people have given me over the years, and it is humbling to receive a gift. Um, I'm not real good at receiving gifts. I'm good at giving gifts. I won't even say I'm good at giving gifts. I, I, I would rather give a gift than receive a gift. I'm not good at receiving gifts. Anybody else have that problem? If somebody wants to give me a gift, I, I, I awkwardly accept it because it feels so undeserving. <laughs> And yet for us in our faith and for us in understanding what God is giving us, ultimately we are undeserving of this gift. Now the way that we approach him determines what's going on in our heart. Are we expecting this, that we are supposed to get this, or do we approach him in humility recognizing that what he chose to give us, he didn't have to. And ultimately we didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything. I didn't make this happen. Ephesians chapter 2 says this about us. We were dead in our trespasses. You know, one of the things that I recognized when I first became a believer was that while my heart was beating and my lungs were working, I felt dead. I felt like there was nothing really going on other than I'm just going to get through this life. I'm going to... Go to At the time I was a teenager, I was in high school, I'm going to graduate from high school. I'm going to figure out what job I want to go to. I'm going to probably get married, although at the time my options were re- really slim. You know, Deidre was a gift of grace for me. So I didn't have a lot of options, didn't know that I was ever going to get married. But I assumed everybody, was, you know, gets married and has kids, although that's not the way everyone, the path everybody takes. But inside, I felt that there wasn't a great excitement about life. There wasn't anything that was going to be special. It was just what everyone else was doing. And by the time you could reach high school, and some of you guys are in high school now, you recognize that you know high school is kind of everybody's trying to get what they can get at the time, right? They're trying to get the friends they can get. They're trying to get the recognition they can get. They're trying to be left alone um, if they can be left alone. And somebody's calling me. I want to be left alone. Didn't you hear me? Oh, I accepted it. Yeah. I hung up on them. They're going to call me back. All right. But there's something about recognizing that. Well, obviously not a good Christian, right? (laughs) Obviously. Somebody may, maybe, you know, somebody is giving me an idea for, you know, well, you need to talk about this this morning, but uh, probably not. But there's something about recognizing that in our, uh, all right, what I want to say, I'm not, I can't say because it's being recorded. So, yeah, all right. Uh, But there's something about the fact that what we offer to God is not anything that would want, make him want to give us something. 
You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We're just, I mean, this is not a pretty picture of us. But God, you know, I love verses that say, but God. And the reason I love them is because I know myself. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, which is how I felt when I was a teenager and the Holy Spirit was saying, Mark, what are you doing? You, you know enough to know you're not headed in the right direction. Even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. Think about that. This gift that's being given to us. This grace that we are receiving, even the faith by which we must have to receive it, is not of our own doing. Not only are we undeserving, we're incapable of receiving. It's not like when we're awkward and someone hands us a gift and we're like, thank you. You shouldn't be giving it. Let me, what can I give you? You know, we're incapable of receiving this gift. And yet God is still Giving. God is still giving. You know yourself. Now, I'm not going to believe that you know yourself you know, with crystal clarity because none of us truly see ourselves with crystal clarity. If we did, we would be just, you know, I, I'm, I'm certain if I could fully see myself as God saw me, well, I, I would certainly see value and the goodness and grace of God. But if I saw how troubled I really was, I would be just a, a heaping mess on the floor. I don't think any of us have perfect crystal clarity of what our motives are, what's really happening within our hearts. I think the Holy Spirit takes a lifetime to kind of pick those out of us. It's where Paul talks about he's in training, trying to deal with this stuff in his own life. And even then, he's constantly messing up. It's a lifetime of picking these things out. And while Kevin DeYoung's quote is, I think, true in so many ways, in this respect, it's very true that one of the ways he we pick those things out of our lives is by simply going through his word and saying, you have said it, I will do it. It takes a lifetime to do that. None of us can see with that clarity how messed up we really are. And yet he still gave us the gift. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, which means it doesn't matter how much money did you give to the Christmas project? How many times did you attend the service this year? It doesn't matter how many times did you talk about God outside of, of church? Did you listen to, you know, the Christian radio station or a non-Christian radio station? You know, it, we have all these things we use as indicators. Am I a good person? None of them really matter. None of them really matter. It is a gift of God. It is not a result of works. So that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want you to imagine that this gift that God is giving, he prepared before he even created the universe. God's been wanting to give you this gift for a long time. Even before Adam and Eve walked to the earth, God intended to give this gift. Here's what I know about those who have received great gifts. When you recognize that you've received great generosity, you often will offer great generosity to others. Now, there's a di- they're calling back. Seriously. They're calling back. No, I'm not going to answer. That's terrible. I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> They were wanting money. They're wanting money for something, right? Like the church. No, I'm just kidding. Um, decline you on that one. All right. But truly, when you recognize that you are the recipient of great generosity, you will often offer it to others. See, there's a difference in the mindset of entitlement and to the mindset of undeserved recipient. If I'm an undeserved recipient, it changes me. It humbles me. It, it makes me recognize, why, why, do I, why am I so blessed to have been given this? I don't deserve it. That is different than you must give me something. You must, I, 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 it's owed to me. And when you recognize that you have been given with such great generosity, you will find a way to be generous to others, not necessarily in the same way. You may give something material, but you may give something emotional. You may give something spiritual. But you become generous because generosity is the ability to see that we have been given much. And we have a responsibility to give to others around us. Now, it's not about works, which means there's not a scorecard. You know, a lot of times when we think about being generous, we want a scorecard. So this person really has a lot. I really don't need to be generous to them. See, that's not the way God sees things. He doesn't see about somehow equaling out the field. What he is interested in is changing our hearts. When we allow generosity to come into our hearts and we're generous, then what we end up doing then is be aligned with what God is doing in the world and we recognize that he's at work in our lives. Whenever we are the recipients of great generosity, it moves us to be generous with others. I know that that is the case with many in this room. I know because you are often generous. You are generous in so many ways. You're generous financially. Uh, You're generous in relationships with people. Uh, The ability to have an environment where you can come come as you are is an environment filled with generosity. Because when you walk into an environment where you can't come as you are, they're wanting something from you. But whenever you create an environment where, you know what, you believe what we believe, you don't. You dress like we do, you don't. I don't know that there is a dress like we do. I look at Kurt, and Kurt constantly reminds me I have no fashion sense. I have no zero fashion sense. And I'm not cool either. He, he's cool. I'm not. Um, 
I don't know that there is like a dress. If there was a dress code at Journey, I don't even know how I would describe it. You know, I really don't. But that environment is created by being generous to others. I'm not expecting you to be like me. I'm not expecting you to look apart or act apart. I'm just expecting you to be you and I'm going to be me and I'm going to accept you. That is generosity. Overwhelmed by the generosity of your willingness to give. This, let me read an email that was actually sent to Kim, and she, she passed on to, um, to me this week. This is, this is from Widow's Harvest. The, the subject line was, wow, exclamation point. It says, hi, Kimberly. I just want to take a moment to thank you again for all that you provided to the widows. It was amazing to fill up those boxes and know their needs were being taken care of, especially at Christmas. Everything was so organized and uniform, it really helped us pack quickly, too. We had the food sorted and 60 boxes uh, packed, I'm supposed to say packed, in under two hours. It also helped settle the widows. What they shared with us is that sometimes there's some uncertainty. As you get older, you get a little more anxious about things. And so there's some uncertainty if when, you know, they, the way that they described to us as we dropped off the food was um, they, in so many ways in their lives, have been left out. They're scared to death to be left out in this. And so they try really hard to have everything uniform. Everybody get the same stuff and, and everybody get it at the same time, which is why we were kind of in a rush to get that stuff to them. It helped settle the widows, knowing that each box had almost exactly the same items. I saw a few of the ornaments that you made for the collection. What a fabulous idea. You really ran with this, Kimberly, and God blessed it in an abundant way. Thank your whole congregation, please. Kim responded back just in a gracious way and just saying how many of you had taken part in making this happen as well. You know, when you receive a generous gift, you are willing to give it to others. See, that feeling that wells up in us when we talk about what we're accomplishing by being generous, that's the Holy Spirit. That is not human nature. Human nature wells up with, what do I get for me? But the Holy Spirit says, what can we give to others? That, that feeling of balance, that feeling of this was a good thing that that feeling that of just wholeness is the holy spirit when a person who has received generosity is willing to be generous to others he's incredibly generous to us not only is the greatest gift something that's easily overlooked not only does it demonstrate the love of a of the a great giver but the greatest gift of all required the greatest sacrifice the reason we talk about sacrifice is because within our world, sacrifice is seen as something done by those who weren't smart enough to live better. If I have to sacrifice something, it's because somehow I wasn't able to figure out for my benefit. The only people who have to sacrifice are the people that haven't done as well as me. That's the way the world thinks. And that's why so many places in Scripture we find God saying, if you're going to follow me, sacrifice is required. Because it takes human nature and flips it on its head and says, my nature is no longer of this world. Sacrifice is not meant for us to feel like we've lost. 
but to recognize there's something of value that we gain by giving up something else. You will not in life gain the most valuable things as long as you're unwilling to give up anything. The most valuable things require sacrifice. If you want a marriage like, you know, the perfect Facebook couple, first of all, it doesn't exist. But you will not have an improving marriage without sacrifice. It can't happen. And what the reason that so many marriages end in divorce is because we try to fill the holes that we're not experiencing in marriage by getting more out of the other person. And all it does is create a bigger cavern. But yet growth in relationship requires sacrifice because you are not me, praise the Lord. I am not you. In order for us to have a relationship, there are parts about me I have to get rid of. In order for me to give wholly to you. You see, sacrifice leads us to the things of great value. This is the prophecy of what the Savior, the Messiah, would have to do. It says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus, it wasn't that he wasn't smart enough to get out of having to give up something. It wasn't that he wasn't good enough to not have to sacrifice. It wasn't that he didn't have this thing about life figured out enough where he could have avoided this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord, the giver, to crush him. It was his will to crush him for you, for me, undeserving people. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt... He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his, his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So what I know is without the sacrifice of Jesus, you and I would be lost and empty. That's where we would be in life. Without this sacrifice, we would not know any different. Without God choosing to continually give to us, we could live in ignorant bliss. Or more likely, miserable hopelessness. See, God chose to intersect. God chose to give. And he had to give up something precious in order to do it. And it wasn't a backup plan. He knew all along this is what it was going to take. He prophesied that this is what was going to be. Without him, you and I would be lost and empty. Christmas is a time to remember great sacrifice, but also to celebrate great joy. See, just like 
I don't believe that all of the gospel is meant just for us to do something that God wants us to do. I don't believe that Christmas is a time for us simply to feel bad about how bad we are. God did not send his son so that we would continually live in a reality of how bad we are. He sent his son that we would have joy, that we've been redeemed, that we've been saved, that we've been changed. So many times it's easier. I can tell you it is much easier to prepare a sermon that, that is guilt-ridden than it is to prepare a sermon that is full of joy and hope. It's so easy. We as Christians do it all the time for others. We see the problems in their lives. It is so easy to pick apart a person and put guilt on them, but to inspire them for something greater. That takes effort. It is a time to remember great sacrifice, but it is also a time to celebrate great joy that we are saved. We are changed. He has been generous to us. And while undeserving, we have received a great gift. But we would be remiss to miss the sacrifice that was required for us to have it. Without the sacrifice of Jesus, we would be lost and empty. I want you to know that not everybody finds Christmas a time of great joy. There are a lot of people that find Christmas one of the hardest times of the year. Especially if you've lost anyone close to you and in this last year, this is a time to kind of refresh and remember that loss. It's tough. It's, it's hard. There's a lot of people that just try to get through the season. They don't embrace it. They don't go out and have fun and go have parties and buy, and buy gifts and have wrapping parties and stuff like that. Instead, they just want to get to December 26th. There are people that struggle to celebrate joy because their life has been difficult. It's good for us to remember that when Christmas is for great joy, when you are preparing for children, all their presents and waiting for them to get up on Christmas morning to see them, that there are families that wish they had children to open those gifts that can't. Or worse, they did have children and something has happened and they're no longer here. So for a lot of people, it's hard to celebrate. We recognize the hardship sometimes to celebrate, but not as a result of our sin. For that, we have been rescued. For that is an opportunity for us to accept the greatest gift because you know the greatest gift is still being offered to those who will accept it. It's still available. For you, I don't know where you are in life, sometimes the thing that keeps you from relationship with God are those painful things that keep you from celebrating at times like Christmas. Maybe it's not a, a, an event that happened to you. Maybe it's just an overall disillusionment with life. Just life's just not all that great. It's just not that enjoyable. It just things don't, good don't happen to me. I'm gr- it's great that they happen to others, but it, I just don't feel like they happen to me. And sometimes it's just that, that disillusionment. I just don't feel like things are going the way they're supposed to. I want you to know the greatest gift is still being offered The opportunity to celebrate is still there. If you'll remember, Jesus was about to do the greatest thing that he would ever do for us. And that was to give his life and take all our sins upon him. And before he did that, he prayed in the garden and he sweat drops of blood and anxiety over what he was about to go through. 
He knew what he was doing would cause great celebration for all of eternity. And yet, he would have to give up something that would cause him great pain. It's a mistake to believe that if you are experiencing great pain in life, that there is not cause for celebration. And it is a mistake to believe that if you're experiencing great pain in your life, that you've done something wrong. Jesus experienced great pain in his life, and he did absolutely nothing wrong. Most generous giver. He had a conversation one day with a woman from Samaria. We read about it in John 4. It says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. This is his response. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I just say at this point of the year, at this time of life, I know that many of you are are celebrating. This is the most wonderful time ever. And for some of you, this is a very hard time. But the greatest gift is a gift that is being offered to us still. It is the gift of relationship with Christ. As we've looked through these stories over the last few weeks, we know that generosity requires sacrifice. If you give generously, you had to give something up. For all these things we've celebrated this morning so far about what you've given generously, all these causes and all these families and all these opportunities that you've given to generously, you had to give something up to do that. All generosity requires giving something up. I want you to know that while it does require sacrifice, it also brings great joy. Because Christmas reminds us there are things valuable enough to sacrifice greatly in order to realize them. There are things that are just worth giving up. I want to just leave you with this question for this coming year. What are you willing to give up in order to realize the greatest value? Now, for everyone in the room, there's a different answer for this. If you don't know Christ, is it giving up your ability to dictate every move and turn of your life? Are you willing to give that up? You do have to give that up. That's part of the repentance that we have. We recognize by me plotting every turn and every little direction of my life, I'm in control. I want to be, at least it may be wrong, but I get to make it. But humility says and repentance says, God, I give you the ability to chart my course. For some of you, it may be a change in the way you spend your time. It may be a way in the, excuse me, the way you spend your resources. It may be in the job that you hold. It may be in the way you communicate with people. It may be in the way you treat family and friends. It may be in the way you treat coworkers. It may be the amount of time you spend with God. It may be the way that you show your appreciation and joy. It may be a a, a way that you say, God, you have given me this great gift. I've taken it for granted. I've not worshipped you or thanked you, and I can't tell you how long. I don't know what the answer is. There's not one answer for everybody, but... 
there is great value to be had if we're willing to give up other things. As we come through this Christmas season, I'm just so overwhelmed with how much of this sermon has certainly already been taught in each of your lives, taught through each of your lives. But as we move into this new time of the season, new year, is there something that you can gain of greater value by giving up things of lesser value now? I'll be praying for that for myself and our family. I pray that you would do the same for yourself and your family. God is a great giver, and we have received a great gift. Would you pray with me? Father, Thank you for your love and grace. I thank you that while we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, that you chose to give us your son who would give up his life so that we could be saved. Thank you that we're no longer lost and stumbling, but we are able to walk confidently, full of hope, knowing you. Father, I pray for those in the room, and and this really is a difficult time, and they're here, and they're going through the, the obligatory ceremonies and the decorating and things, but in their heart, they're just struggling. This is a very difficult, difficult holiday. I pray that you would just in in a miraculous, incredible way, show them the great gift that you have given them. That while they may not be joyful in the circumstances they find themselves, they will be joyful in their relationship with you. Father, help us to be a people of generosity and grace. Help us to recognize what you've given us, what it costs for us to have it, and let it change how we respond to others around us. God, I thank you. I thank you for the, the generosity of this congregation, the willingness to give to others and to sacrifice themselves in order to do so. I pray that their gift would not just be one that's material or financial, but their gift would be one that demonstrates love, demonstrates hope, that demonstrates joy. Father, I know that those who give often receive a greater benefit than those who receive. And I thank you for that reality. Help us to follow you in all that we do. Help us to love you and worship you, even at times that it's hard. Help us to recognize that this Christmas, the greatest gift came from you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.